Why, good morning. It has been uh, quite the crazy uh, week for us. Uh, we were able to spend time in South Carolina with Jamie's family uh, this past week. Um, and I had a wedding on Thursday up here in Ohio, so we drove down Sunday, and then I had to fly back up Wednesday, did the wedding on Thursday, and I fly back down Friday morning just to drive back up Saturday morning. Uh, so it's been a crazy week, and I, I was a bit stressed out uh, this morning, um, and uh, I was thinking of all the stuff that I had to do. Um, and uh, we, on top of all that, I had to drive the car to the airport and drop it off, and we didn't have the car. So as I, as I was leaving this morning to go to church, I was like, rats, I forgot we only had one car, so Jamie and the baby were stranded, so I had to drive back and, and grab Jamie and the baby, and I was, uh, it was uh, not the best morning for me this morning. Um, but it's good uh, to see you all uh, this morning. Uh, it, it feels like home for me to be back with you guys um, as I was getting stressed and Jen talking about joy, uh, it just hit me uh, as I was driving back to pick up Jamie and the baby that uh, I have the opportunity to be able to talk to all of you guys about Jesus. Uh, and that's a great privilege and honor that I have uh, this morning. So it's a good day. It's a good day to be alive. Uh, and as we uh, spent, yeah, that's right, that's right. And so as we uh, spent uh, last week in, in South Carolina celebrating Christmas with Jamie's family, uh, it didn't really feel a whole lot like Christmas. It's been difficult for uh, Jamie and I to get in the Christmas spirit uh, this year as being in the hospital for three weeks kind of really threw everything off. But I, I've been trying. Uh, I've been a bit more in the Christmas spirit than Jamie. I joke that I'm living with the Grinch uh, this Christmas year, the, 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 the Grinch, uh, but she's good. Uh, we're, we're, we're having... Uh, <laughs> I still love her. Yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure she did. I'm sure she did. I still love her. She, I think she still loves me, so life is good. But we celebrated Christmas with the family, and uh, her family had all these fantasies and dreams as uh, we had our first kid, and her only other sister had uh, their first set of twins, um, and so everybody had these fantasies and dreams of, oh, the first Christmas with the babies, and all those fantasies and dreams went out the door as crying babies, a mess, and it, it went totally out the door. Uh, we had some guys come over uh, after uh, some of my buddies from South Carolina, and uh, they, they saw life with three babies in the room, and I think that was the greatest bit of birth control that they've ever witnessed uh, in their life. So if they, don't have, uh, if they don't have kids the rest of their life, I think we can give the credit back to that, that one night with all three babies in there. Uh, they, they, they were not having it uh, back then. But as we, as we, the North Hills Church, as we transition into the Christmas season, we start a series um, entitled All About Jesus, as if we remember the reason for the season is Jesus. He, he's the reason why we have uh, this holiday Christmas. Um, and so we've been talking the, these past couple weeks, these past three weeks, we've been talking about uh, what this guy Jesus is all about and why in the world are we still celebrating the birth of a guy who was born 2,000 years ago? I mean, that seems pretty crazy. I mean, sometimes I have troubles remembering my own wife's birthday. Nevertheless, we're still celebrating this guy's birthday, he was born 2,000 years ago. And as we've been looking at these past couple weeks, this guy, Jesus, is really, really, really special. And that's why we continue to celebrate his birth year in and year out as we celebrate Christmas. Uh, as we start this series, we talked about how Jesus is the only birth son of God. 
Jesus was conceived by God's Holy Spirit. He's, he's the only person who was conceived by God's Holy Spirit. That, that's not supposed to happen, but Jesus was conceived by God's Holy Spirit. The final accusation that the Jews had against Jesus before the Jews sent him to the Roman Empire to be crucified was that he was the Son of God. It wasn't that he was, was God the Son, but it was that he was the Son of God. And that was the last thing that they needed to hear from Jesus, that Jesus needed confess for them to send Jesus over to the Roman Empire was that he was the son of God. What, what, what a bold claim that Jesus had, claiming to be the son of God. Two weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus was the Christ. Um, and and uh, I like to joke that some of us uh, learned that Christ is not Jesus' last name, uh, but rather Christ is a title for Jesus, just like Mr. or Mrs. or President or God, as God isn't God's name. It's a title. Yahweh is God's personal name. And Christ, not Jesus' last name, but it's a title. And we talk about how Christ means anointed one. And anointed is basically a fancy word for chosen or selected. So, so when we say that Jesus is the Christ, and we say Jesus Christ, we're saying that Jesus is the chosen one of God. And we can see that God chose Jesus from the very beginning. It talks about in the scriptures how God had a foreknowledge of Jesus before the foundations of the world. And, and not only God looked forward for, for this Christ to come in, in the flesh, but the Jews did as well. Back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we had the first promise of the Messiah, which is the same as the Christ. It's just the Hebrew uh, word, basically, um, Mashiach, uh, rather than Christos. And so all the way back in Genesis three fifteen, from the very beginning, all the way back from Adam and Eve, the Jews were looking for this Christ, as he is the chosen one of God. In the last week, we, we talked about how Jesus was king. Uh, from the birth, we, we saw how Herod, King Herod, part of the nativity scene, uh, king of the city of Jerusalem, the capital of the Jews, uh, here some wise men come to Herod and say, hey, where is this king of the Jews has been born? And Herod's going, what are you talking about? I'm the king of the Jews. And, and, and so uh, they, Herod sends a wise man out, and we'll hear all about that in the Christmas Eve service. Come join us at 6 o'clock for Christmas Eve, and we'll talk about the nativity scene. But ever since Jesus' birth, he was considered the king of the Jews. And all the way up to his death, he was considered the king of the Jews as well, as the inscription above his head when he was crucified was the king of the Jews. And so throughout his whole life, he was considered the king of the Jews. But Jesus was much more than just the king of the Jews. We saw last week how God has given all authority in heaven and on earth to Jesus. Jesus has all authority. And Jesus is going to demonstrate that authority when he comes back to this earth to establish his father's kingdom. So Jesus is not only the king of the Jews, but Jesus is the king of the world. And let me tell you, Jesus is going to come back one day. We, we don't know when, but he's going to come back one day, and he's going to demonstrate that power and authority as he's going to destroy every opposing authority, including death itself. And, and if we're not ready, come time when Jesus comes back to demonstrate his authority, then we have a scary future ahead of us. Um, but today, as, as we close the series on all about Jesus, as we're transitioning into the Christmas season and, and, and Christmas Day itself, as we're finally here, the week of Christmas, uh, today we're talking about how Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. 
because we, we, we need a saving. Uh, I don't think anybody uh, would deny that, that we need saving. Constantly, I'm seeing stuff on the internet, on the news, um, with, with my own eyes in person. I'm constantly seeing stuff that just disgusts me. I, I mean, this world is so corrupt. We, we have fallen so far from God, and we truly need saving. And, and I'm sure as I talk about this, I'm sure all of you guys can think of scenarios and stories, either on the news or the internet, or firsthand experiences of how disgusting this world is and how far we have fallen from God. For this world truly needs saving. And Jesus is the Savior of the world. Jesus has come and is coming, and he is the Savior of the world. It's clearly stated in, in, in the book of 1 John. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 4. We're just going to read one verse, verse 14, which clearly states that Jesus is the, is the Savior of the world. 1 John, near all the way back of, of your Bible, and 1 John uh, chapter 4, um, as John is, is talking about love here, and, and verse uh, 14, uh, John writes, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. So here John says that the Father, God, Yahweh, he sent his Son which we learned that was Jesus of Nazareth, the, the, the guy we celebrate over Christmas. We see that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, uh, the son of God, the, the king of the world. He sent his son to be the savior of the world. And, and that probably doesn't come as a shock to many of us hearing that Jesus is the savior of the world. You guys are probably all shaking your heads. Yeah, we, we, we know that, Kyle, that yes, Jesus is the savior of the world. Just like we all probably familiar that Jesus was the Christ, that he was the son of God, and that he was king of the world. But today we're talking about how Jesus is the savior of the world. It, it couldn't be any more clear here in verse 14 as it says, the father has sent his son to be the savior of of the world. So, so that's another title that we're talking about this morning. That he has the title of being the Savior of the world. And as we talk about Jesus being the Savior of the world, well, what, what exactly uh, is he saving us from? If, if someone comes to be the Savior, uh, you, you got to be in some sort of danger. You got to be in, in need of being rescued. And so, what is Jesus? saving us from? And, and the answer is he's saving us from death. He's saving us from, from eternal death in and, and, and the, and the judgment day when, when those who are not found righteous, they are going to be thrown and cast into to, uh, the lake of fire, and, and they will be dead for the rest of history. And so Jesus is saving us from the wages of our sin, which is death. As we, we talked about a number of times, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. And we all have sin, and, and we, we see that in Romans 3, 23, as it states, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we all have sin, and everybody's wages of that sin is death. We deserve nothing more, nothing less. We deserve death. We need rescued from the payment of our sin from the payment of our action. And again, that payment, that wage for, for that sin, just like you, you earn a wage or a payment from your job, our, our wage, our payment from committing sin is death. And we need saved from that payment. We need saved from, from being judged as eternally dead. 
And so this punishment uh, goes all the way back in the beginning. uh, And as we talked about earlier, Adam and Eve. Well, Adam and Eve, uh, they had a perfect life with God. Um, there, there was not a single problem in the world. They only had one rule to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they have, could have lived forever um, if they not uh, broke that one rule, if they had not sinned, if they not disobeyed God. But we all know uh, that Adam and Eve, uh, they did disobey God. Um, and so that is when sin entered into the world. And when sin entered into the world, Death came along as well, and along with death, the, the other curses, the curses for the serpent, and the curse for the man, and the curse for the woman. So sin entered into this world, and sin brought all of this, this bad stuff into the world. Before sin, sin entered into the world, none of that bad stuff existed. There, there wasn't any death. There wasn't any mourning or crying or pain or weeping, uh, for, for they didn't even exist. But sin entered, and when sin entered, all these bad things of the world entered as well. And so we have to go back and see when we can be saved from the sin. And Jesus is the savior of that sin, from that curse of that sin. As we, are all, uh, we all fall under that curse of the sin, but we all can be saved from that sin. So that is what Jesus is coming to save us from. Jesus is coming to save us from the wages of our sin. And again, the wages of our sin is death. Now the question we have to ask ourselves is how? How does Jesus... Come and save us from our sins. And, and many of us probably know a, a, a pretty a clear answer. Well, he died on the cross for our sins, and that's right on. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and dissect that a bit more uh, this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Hebrews chapter 7. Just a couple of uh, books prior to the book of 1 John. Hebrews chapter 7. The, the whole book of Hebrews uh, really is a uh, quite complicated um, book of uh, the Bible. Uh, I don't see her, any, her in here right now. I think she's working downstairs, but I've been talking with Birdie a bit about the book of Hebrews and how the book of Hebrews is, is a difficult book to understand. Um, but in Hebrews chapter 7, uh, we'll be reading in verse 23 uh, through 28, where we're seeing Jesus being compared to Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a priest uh, all the way back in the time of Abraham. And there's uh, some really fascinating, interesting, confusing stuff about Melchizedek that we won't uh, cover uh, today. But Jesus is compared to uh, this high priest, Melchizedek. And and it talks about, in in verse 23, it states, The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, being Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. So here the the writer of Hebrews, which we're not sure exactly who the writer of Hebrews is, but here the writer of Hebrews says that the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. This is taking us all the way back in the Old Testament times. In the Old Testament times, uh, they, they appointed for themselves priests from the tribe of Levi. And these priests could not serve forever uh, because they were prevented from serving forever by death. But here, the, the writer of Hebrews talks about how Jesus holds this position as priest forever because he lives forever. And so he continues in verse 25, and he says, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. 
So there we, we see that Jesus, he, to the uttermost, permanently, Jesus is able to save us as, as he serves as that high priest forever. And he makes intercession for us. He, he's the mediator for us between God and, and mankind. And Jesus holds that position as priest, as a savior, forever. And so he continues in verse 26, and it writes, For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest Holy, innocent, uh, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. There, there we see, as we talk about, been talking about these past couple weeks, how awesome and how magnificent Jesus here, Jesus is. And here the, the author of Hebrews talks about that as he is holy, he's innocent, unstained, separated from sinner, and he's exalted above the heavens. And he continues, he has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. So here again, uh, this author of Hebrews comparing Jesus all the way back to the Old Testament and the priests in the Old Testament, and they're talking about the sacrifices. Many of us are probably familiar that in the Old Testament, they had many different types of sacrifices. They had guilt, sacrifices, sin, uh, sacrifices, and all these different offerings and sacrifices. And the, pr- the priest's job was to uh, uh, have these sacrifices. They were to be the ones who to perform these sacrifices. But before the priest would offer the sacrifices for the sins of the people, the priests themselves had to cleanse themselves, for an unclean priest couldn't, uh, couldn't cleanse the sins for, of the other people if they themselves weren't cleansed. And so they would do this over and over and over. Every year, they, they would have a number of different sacrifices, and the priests would offer these sacrifices uh, to cleanse them uh, from their sins with these sin and guilt offerings. But Jesus, unlike all these other uh, previous priests, he has no need to do that. He has no need to to cleanse himself first, for he is sinless. He is holy. As it talks about in verse 26, he's holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners. And so Jesus has no no need to offer those daily sacrifices like the previous uh, priests. And he has no need to cleanse himself before he, he presented those offerings. But it says that Jesus did this once for all when he offered up himself. Jesus did it once for all as he offered himself up for us. He did it once for all. We, we, we aren't, we're no longer in need of doing these daily, weekly, monthly, yearly sacrifices because Jesus serves as the permanent priest. Jesus serves as the permanent sacrifice. He sacrificed for us once for all. He, he, it was in one occasion, but it was for all times. It was for all people of all times. And that is how Jesus saved us, as he saved us from our sins, as, as the payment of our sin is death. And so death is needed. And let me tell you, Jesus paid your payment. Jesus paid your wage. Jesus paid your debt as he died on the cross once for all as we no longer need those sacrifices like they did in the Old Testament, but Jesus sacrificed once for all as he didn't offer a lamb or a goat or a bull, but he offered up himself. The sinless king of the Jews, the sinless king of the world, the the, the sinless Christ, the chosen one of God, the sinless son of God offered himself up for us. And that's how he saved us from our sins, the, the, the payment of our sins. 
And, and we, in order to accept uh, that, that sacrifice, we, we, we need to accept it by faith. And, and a passage that many of us are probably well familiar with, John chapter 3 talks about this. John chapter 3, uh, verse 16. So if you have your Bibles, you, you can flip to John chapter 3, verse 16. In John chapter uh, 3, uh, Jesus talking to Nicodemus at night. Nicodemus, uh, a Pharisee, he came to Jesus at night because he didn't want the other Pharisees to see uh, that he was asking uh, Jesus questions. And so Jesus and Nicodemus, uh, they're holding a conversation, and we're jumping in the middle of it. But in verse 16 of chapter uh, 3, uh, Jesus talking to Nicodemus, and he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And so here as we, we see in verse 6, and we see that God so loved the world. God loves us so much that he sent his son into the world. For it says, for God, so loved, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but whoever believes in Jesus shall have eternal life and perfect eternal life in God's coming kingdom where there'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the former things will have passed away. And so if we put our belief, if we put our faith in Jesus, we will not perish but we will have eternal life. And many people like to stop at verse 16, but verse 17 and 18 are just as good. For as Jesus continues, he says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. See, many people have this misconception about God. They, they, they think that God is just some, some harsh, evil dictator of the world and that, they, that he sent his Son, the King, to, to condemn the world. But that's not true at all. God sent his Son, Jesus, not to condemn the world, but God sent his son Jesus to save the world. But he continues in verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. So here John, or, or Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and Jesus says that I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but I came into the world to save the world. However, on that note, if you don't put your faith in me, if you don't put your belief in me, then you are condemned. But if you do put your faith in me, if you do put your belief in me, then you're not condemned. You're found righteous in the eyes of God. So we can't say that God sent Jesus into the world to condemn the world. That's nonsense. That would be like me, if we were all starving, uh, we were all hungry, and if we didn't eat in the next 24 hours, we were all, we all going to die. And I come, and I bring you all um, some food. Uh, but this side of the room, they, they take the food, and they eat, and they receive their nutrients, and, and they live. They live. But these yahoos on this side, for whatever reason, you guys didn't take the food that I gave you when, when you were dying of starvation. And so you can't say that I came to, to kill you of starvation, for that's nonsense. For I came to bring you food. But this side over here, they, they chose not to accept my kind offering, my kind gift of food. 
But instead, I came to save. I came to save you guys. And, and this side over here, they, they accepted that gift. And so you can't say that I came to, to kill you guys of starvation just because a lot of you guys didn't accept my gift of food. And so we can't say, in the same sense, we can't say that Jesus came to this world to condemn the world because not at all. Just because people don't accept his, off, his offering, people don't accept his sacrifice, doesn't mean that he came to condemn the world, but rather he came to save the world. For Jesus is the savior of the world. And as we talked about a couple months ago, we, we, we accept Jesus' sacrifice. We, we, we accept his offering by believing in him, as it, as it talks about here. Or another word, uh, another similar word for believing is faith. We, we've all been given that free gift of eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. We've all been given that free gift of eternal life. And now it's just up to us if we accept that free gift of eternal life. And how do we accept that? We accept that by putting our belief and putting our faith in Jesus. As it says in verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so if we put our belief, if, if we put our faith in the Son of God, if we, if we put our faith, if we put our belief in the Christ and, and, and in the King of the world and in the Savior of the world, then we will have eternal life. For Jesus is the Savior of the world. Jesus came to save us from the payment of our sin, the wages of our sin, which is death. And if we accept Jesus, if we have faith and belief in Jesus, then we will be saved. If, if you have a strong faith that compels you to, to live as a Christian, then you will be saved, for Jesus is the Savior of the world. Nobody else could have taken that place of the Savior of the world. But Jesus came and offered himself up for us to pay for the wages of our sin. And so we can see, as 1 John 4, 14 clearly states, that Jesus is the Savior of the world. As he died nearly 2,000 years ago on the cross for our sins. And so he is the Savior of the world. And that alone is reason to celebrate the birth of Jesus as he is the Savior of the world. And so as we come to a close in, in talking um, about all about Jesus, the series and talking about how Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ, the King of the world, and the Savior of the world, we, we, we have a basic understanding of who Jesus is. And again, that basic understanding is so important. For John 17, 3 states, This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So eternal life is on the line of whether or not we know God and his son, Jesus. And so I hope that we can all have a basic understanding of who Jesus is. And I hope you guys don't fall, fall culprit like I did uh, as I was growing up, as I viewed Jesus just as a man who died on the cross for our sins. Nothing more, nothing less. He was just a, a, a guy who, who loved me so much, who was sinless, who died on the cross for our sins that I could live eternally. I hope you don't fall cul culprit to that because Jesus is so much more than that. He's so much more than, than, than just the person who died on the cross for our sins. For we talk about how Jesus is the only son of God. 
He's the only birth child of God, as we, we all are considered children of God um, by adoption if we put our faith in him. But Jesus is the only birth son of God. Jesus is the Christ. From the very beginning, from before the foundations of the world, God chose Jesus to do his work. From the very beginning, God or Jesus is the chosen one of God. We saw how Jesus is the king of the world and how God has given all authority in heaven and on earth to Jesus. Not just some of it, not just most of it, but all authority. Over all of us here on earth and over all of the heavenly beings in heaven, Jesus has authority over all of them. And Jesus is coming to establish his authority here on earth when he, when he returns. For Jesus is the king of the world. And of course, Jesus is the savior of the world as Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And there's so much more that we could talk about Jesus. We could talk about how Jesus is a priest like we did a tiny bit today. We could talk about how Jesus is a prophet. We could talk about how Jesus is a leader. We could talk about how Jesus is, is the mediator. We could talk about how Jesus is a servant. And there's so much that we could talk about Jesus. But if we understand that Jesus is the only son of God, if we can understand that Jesus is the Christ, if we can understand that Jesus is the king of the world, and if we can understand that Jesus is the savior, then we have a basic understanding of who Jesus is. And with that basic understanding of who Jesus is, it makes all the sense of the world that we still celebrate his birth. Because he is so, so special. Nobody is on his playing field. God is above him, but, but nobody is on the playing field of Jesus. And so it makes perfect sense in which why, to this day, 2,000 years later, we still celebrate the birth of the only Son of God, the birth of the Christ, the birth of the King of the world, and the birth of the Savior. And so as we uh, are entering the week of Christmas, the, this joyous time, the, the holly jolly Christmas mood, I strongly, strongly encourage you not to forget the reason of this season. For, for I love going to South Carolina, spending time with Jamie's family. I love going to Michigan, spending time with my family and exchanging gifts and, and, and the Christmas music. But it's all meaningless if it weren't for the birth of our Lord and Savior, the Christ, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And, and so as you celebrate Christmas th this year, please, please, please remember the true reason of this season, and that's the birth of our Savior. And, and so as you're celebrating Christmas, I encourage you, go over the, go over the nativity scene. Read over the nativity scene in, in the book of Matthew, the, the first couple chapters. Read about the birth of our Savior. Put your focus on the birth of our Savior, which again is so hard to do sometimes when we're having so much fun. You know, sometimes our families can get in the way of the true meaning, but, but it's, it's a harsh truth. It's a harsh reality. Sometimes our family, sometimes our gifts, sometimes our other loved ones, they get in the way of the true reason of the season. So please focus on the true reason of the season, which is the birth of our Savior. And as you're exchanging gifts and, and you're giving or, or maybe receiving gifts, remember that you have been given the greatest gift of all time. And that greatest gift is the gift of eternal life. And it's free to us. And it's only made possible through Jesus. And so we have all the reason in the world to celebrate the birth of the Son of God, of the Christ, of the King of the world, and of the Savior of the world. So let's enjoy this week and, and, and let's celebrate the birth of our Lord 
and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for this day. Father, I thank you for uh, the free gift, the free gift of eternal life um, and where we can spend uh, life eternally with you and your precious Son, our Lord and Savior, the Christ, the King of the world. Father, I just pray that as we enjoy this season of the year, this Christmas season, I pray that we can remember the, the true reason of this season, which is the birth of your Son, the birth of the Christ, the birth of the King of the world. And Father, I just thank you so much for laying your Son down for us so that we could spend eternity with you and your Son and our other loved ones who put their faith in you in your coming kingdom. <laughs> and again, Father, I just thank you for Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.